Welcome to Getting Work to Work, a weekly podcast that explores the creative and curious world of work through monologues and conversations with artists, creative entrepreneurs, storytellers, and change makers. Have you ever asked yourself, how do I use my time more effectively? What about how can I be more efficient? Paul Miners is a productivity consultant who helps his customers answer these questions and better understand the tools and systems that ultimately deliver more value to customers. In this conversation, he shares his tools of choice, Asana, Pipedrive, and Zapier, and much of his philosophy around automation and productivity. He also illuminates some fundamental concepts, including the source of truth, making time to work on your business, being his own client, and time blocking. Show notes and links to all the good stuff mentioned in this episode can be found at gwtw.co slash 597. Seeing as you are in a completely different country than I am, I'm curious if there's anything different about curiosity in New Zealand. So what are you endlessly curious about? Uh, I don't think we're all that different to the rest of the world, to be honest. Uh, I mean, me personally, I think I'm just most, I'm always curious about how can I use my time more effectively? How can I be more efficient with what I'm doing? And that stretches to every aspect of life, really. You know, obviously it's a big part of my business. Um, I'm a, a big part of the, you know, running my business that, in, that I enjoy most is, is working on my business. So just to give a little bit of context, so I help people with, uh, I'm a productivity consultant. I help people with tools like Asana, which is a project management tool and Pipedrive, which is a sales CRM. We also do a lot of automation work for customers with Zapier. And, um, so it's kind of a a consulting coaching, um, model. Um, so that's, that's what we do. But for me, what I, yeah, like I said, what I enjoy most and what I'm always curious about is how can I deliver this service? How can I help customers in a more efficient way? And so even though what I do hasn't really changed for the last six or seven years of, you know, still just helping people with Asana and Pipedrive and these tools, the model and how we deliver that service has changed a lot. I'm always thinking about how can I deliver more value? How can I be more efficient with my time? I, you know, I'm, I guess what you would call like a lifestyle entrepreneur in terms of, I really, you know, like a lot of small business owners probably listening to this podcast, I got into business so that I could um, strike that really nice balance between work and and living a enjoyable life and doing things that interest me. And so that's what I'm endlessly curious about is how can I be more efficient with my time while growing my income, if possible, and use my time more efficiently. And like I said, that's that's primarily I'm thinking about that in my business, but also in my personal life as well. It's about you know what am I spending time on um, if I'm ever feeling too stretched or overcommitted. Maybe there's something I, maybe I need to step back and look at how I'm spending my time. Uh, but that's, that, that's what I would say I'm always curious about is just using my time in the best way possible. What I appreciate about that definition too of efficiency is I think sometimes efficiency can feel very like you get a stopwatch out and you're like timing every, <laughs> every single thing. Whereas what you just said really resonated with me of just being, using my time at the best to the best ability. Yeah. Um, I mean, productivity is, is, you know, people have probably heard that definition. It's a con- combination of being efficient, which is doing things quickly, or re- really we should actually start with effectiveness. You know, effectiveness is doing the right things. And then efficiency is doing those things quickly. There's no point 
doing something quickly if the thing that you're doing is is incorrect. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's, you're always striking the balance between those two things. Yeah, but um, by focusing on efficient efficiency, it's forced me to think about um, like the tools that I use and how can I automate parts of my business. And you know, in the last six months, I've gotten into uh, using contractors more to outsource parts of the work I was doing one-on-one now I'm sort of removing myself from certain aspects of the business as well. And that's all driven through this lens of efficiency. I love how you said that you are really about working on your business. Cause there's that phrase, don't just work in your business, work on your business. Has that come natural to you or did you have to find what that meant for you and the business that you've built? Yeah. Um, in terms of whether it came natural, uh, I would say probably more than most. It came, it, it did come quite naturally to me. I mean, um, you know, thinking back to many years ago, the four hour work week, you know, Tim Ferriss's best-selling book that most people have probably heard of by now, uh, had a big impact on me. And that instilled in me early on this idea of, like I said before, striking this balance between work and personal life. And so I, I always had this bigger picture of why am I why am I running this business? Why do I want to work for myself? Mm. Yep, the freedom's important and earning a good income is important, but ultimately it's to have this balance in my life. And so from day one, I always had these ideas in the back of my mind. And so when I was, whenever I've made a decision about, well, should I be, what kind of products or services should I offer? How should I market myself? Again, it's always sort of viewed through this lens of, is it going to help me to deliver more value to customers? Is it going to help me to earn more? Is it going to help me to save time? Um, so I think early on for me, it, it did come quite naturally. And in terms of how you do this, how I try and do this, you know, I try and make sure I carve out some time every week to work on my business, uh, especially in sort of like a consulting business. In the first few years, I was really booked up quite heavily, like, could be booked up two or three weeks in advance with client commitments and things. Right. Even, even then, at, even at my busiest, I mean, like I said, I've got contractors now, which has freed up some time. But even at my busiest back then, I still made sure I had some time. Usually on a Wednesday, I would carve out some time where I could not be booked so that I could work on things like my marketing mm. or my systems and tools and automation. Because if you don't make that time for yourself, nobody's going to do it for you. Uh, <laughs> So, so that was, that was something I did, something really kind of, I guess, deliberate that I tried to do was make this time every week to work on my business. Yeah. And actually putting it on the calendar even. I like how you started to unpack what that looked like too, because the challenge of using a phrase like that is that it sounds like a really good piece of advice. And then until you're like, well, what does that mean? So, you know, doing some marketing things, being able to, you know, work out some new tools. What are some other things that you did to work on your business? Uh, I mean, automation has always been really big. So tools like Zapier, um, which is this fantastic automation tool you can use to connect different services and tools together. Just learning how to use that better and, and always thinking about with all the little mundane little tasks I need to do, right? So when I have a new client sign up, you know, I win my the deal in my CRM. Now I need to set up some tasks or, or send an email. I can use Zapier to automate a lot of these mundane little things. And also it's, it's not just about automating and saving time, but tools like Zapier even help you to create better processes as well. So I'm not mm -hmm. forgetting a step. I'm, it's, mm -hmm. I'm trying to reduce the amount of things my monkey brain has to remember, and I'm actually putting it into a system. Um, and the computer does that for me. If you teach the computer how to do something, it'll do the same thing every single time without fail. <laughs> right.
So Zappy has been a big one. Um, yeah, I mentioned the marketing before. Also just big picture planning and looking at myself and the business and working out like things like my pricing. How could I price this better? How could I increase the value that I'm offering? How could I, you know, as a one man, uh, I was operating as a one man show for years. How could I work with more clients without working more hours? So this got me into things like group coaching. Mm -hmm. And so these, these are the ideas that come out of that time that you, that I was setting aside to, to, to work on my business. Yeah. When you're coming up with these big questions, like I love that question, how can I work with more clients and not, you know, take more time? Yeah. You know, th that's a big question. Those are, those are really big problems to solve. How did you build the confidence to start taking action on solving those problems? Oh, man, uh, it's hard. <laughs> um, it, sometimes you've just got to take that leap of faith, you almost can't necessarily wait to have all the confidence in the world. Sometimes you've just got to try things and be willing to take a risk and have it backfire potentially. Uh, I mean, just recently I was trying to change my sales funnel a bit and I've been experimenting with webinars a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And it was, it's been a bit of a change to how I would typically engage new clients. And that, to be honest, hasn't worked out the way I planned, but that's okay. It's actually... I'm, I'm excited by that because I can look at that and go, okay, fine. That didn't work, but that's okay. Cause now I've learned something mm -hmm. and I can take that. And now I, now I actually think I do have a path forward. I'm going to, uh, uh, without going into all the details, I'm going to be doing webinars in a slightly different way. Um, so even the failures are like a necessary stepping stone to get to where you want to be. So you can try and wait to have all the confidence and have everything ready to go. <laughs> but it's if you wait to be completely comfortable and completely confident, that's potentially going to hold you back to the point where you don't ever make the change that you want to make. Mm -hmm. um, in saying that, I'm, I'm a very numbers kind of analytical person. And um, I, I track my time, obviously. Uh, I track like what I'm earning on each client and, and uh, how my time is being spent. And so collecting good data and keeping good records about how I'm spending my time, what I'm charging for different clients, using that data has always helped me to make really informed decisions so that when I do have like a big idea of here's something I want to do, I'm trying to use data to make an informed decision, even though I, I still don't know how, what the end result is going to be. I'm, I'm right. bringing some data to the, um, to the decision to try and build that confidence, so to speak. Oh, that's fascinating. Like, I love the idea of tracking everything. I mean, I'm I'm probably 10% of, of you when it comes <laughs> to tracking things. So, I mean, I'm, I'm envisioning like spreadsheets and metadata and all this stuff. So, you know, what does that look like to track data? Yeah, probably fewer spreadsheets than you, you think. I mean, a, one tool that's really important in my business is Pipedrive. So that's my sales CRM. And it's the tool that, as I mentioned before, I, I consult on as well. Mm -hmm. So when somebody, a client reaches out to me to get help, you know, I'm creating a new deal in my CRM. Uh, and so I'm tracking all my engagement with that client, like the calls that I'm having, the emails that I'm exchanging. So number one, it's sort of the source of truth for my my contacts and my client engagements. I can see my history with everyone in there, mm -hmm. but then it has all the numerical data around like how much I've earned from each client. Every, every transaction a client makes with me goes through pipe drive. And so with that, obviously I can track monthly revenue, but then I can further segment that down into, um, cause I have different offerings and packages. I can work out which offer 
or which revenue model am I earning money from? So a lot of the data that I'm tracking from a sales point of view is stored in in my CRM pipe drive. Mm-hmm. And then what I'm spending time on, uh, that's tracked a few different ways. Um, Asana, which is my project management tool, that's where I'm tracking the clients that I'm now working with. Mm-hmm. And uh, I track the hours that I spend with each client. And now working with uh, having contractors on my team, I have them track the hours they've spent with clients as well. That's partly because we do some hourly engagements. So we need to track how many hours a client has spent with us. But also, from a productivity standpoint on some of the bigger projects that we do, um, we want to know that we're not kind of going overboard and spending, we, we want to make sure we're using the time on the project effectively. So Asana is another sort of key tool in the stack in terms of, uh, there's a lot of data in there around the time spent on different projects. Um, and then, yeah, there are a few spreadsheets and things. I used to track company metrics, revenue, expenses, things like that. Obviously, my accounting software, which is zero is very important for tracking um, company finances and expenses and things. Um, I would say, but I would say those would be the main tools that I use to to track everything. Yeah. Okay. A phrase you just said blew my mind when you said it is my source of truth. Mm. I loved that phrase so much because what it did to what it did for me was I think about like the emotional side of me where I'll be like, Oh my gosh, they hate me. And, but when you have that source of truth and you can come back and look at, you know, this is, this is the interaction. This is the data. Oh, I took so refreshing. Yeah. I, I think I just made the decision early on, um, from, from day zero, when I started my consulting business, I was like, right, I'm going to use PipeDrive to track all my clients. Because uh, it was actually the CRM I was using at my full-time job at the time. And I was, I was starting my consulting business on the side. Mm-hmm. So I already knew how to use this tool. Um, and so I thought, yeah, I'm just going to use this to track the leads that are coming in and who, and who I'm working with. Mm-hmm. And I made the decision that, okay, this is going to be where I put information about everyone that comes into contact with me. You know, because otherwise we, we, there's a lot of different tools that we use that overlap. You know, a lot of businesses have a, an email marketing system, something like MailChimp right. or I use ConvertKit now. Mm-hmm. Um, people might have like a sales CRM for contact information. You might use something like Google Contacts or Microsoft uh, Outlook, you know, contacts as well. So there's a few different tools that you might be using that you where you may have contact information. And I just decided, right, I'm going to make it really simple. Pipedrive is going to be the source of truth. That's where I put everyone. It's going to have their contact information, email, phone numbers, location. So I know where in the world they are. And then when I reach out to somebody, you know, or I have some kind of interaction, a phone call, a meeting, I I track that in pipe drive. So I'll log like, you know, we had a meeting and I'll keep my notes in there. Even emails, I can BCC emails into PipeDrive. Mm-hmm. So essentially, when I when I have a contact uh, or a client that I want to kind of pull up my history for, I've got it all in one place. So that was just a it was just a really a simple deliberate decision that that was going to be in this one tool, PipeDrive. And PipeDrive feeds into other systems. I use mm-hmm. ConvertKit for my email, and so I use Zapier to connect the two together. But everything kind of comes back to PipeDrive. That's where I can see what's going on for for different clients. So even though you made the decision from the get-go, like how do you work with people who <laughs> maybe they have a lot of bad habits or it's been a while and and so they they they've started but they haven't utilized a tool like Pipedrive. 
Like, how do you get people to, you know, start the process of bringing things to that single source of truth? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you have to decide, number one, that we're going to make a fresh start, that from whatever date, we're going to start using whatever tool, Pipedrive or another CRM or something as that source of truth. So number one, it's about, okay, so what is the source of truth going to be? And then we can kind of do some brainstorming and some some thinking around, well, what are the other tools and services that we use at the moment in the business that have information? You might have have some information in um, your accounting tool like QuickBooks or Xero. Maybe you have some information in your email CMS, uh, MailChimp or ConvertKit. You might have, like I said, there's, you've got email, you've got com- uh, Google contacts. So what are all those different sources? And then it's kind of, I think I, I often just start talking to clients and think about, well, how do we want this all to, these, this stack of tools, how do we want everything to talk to one another? Because mm. you, you, there is going to be a lot of you know, overlap. You know, I have a contact that exists in Pipedrive and in my email system and in my uh, accounting software. So then... <laughs> So there is, obviously they exist in three places, but where, you know, how do we connect them together in a way where if I update one, everything else gets updated. And so it's just a case of just working through the, working through, yeah, what, what are the different tools that we use and how do we want these tools to, to work together in a seamless way? Um, it's not always easy, you know, it can be a bit, a bit complicated sometimes, like making these tools work together really well, but that's where something like Zapier, which is this automation tool helps everything kind of glue everything together really nicely. It's interesting too because I hear how the business model is connected. So like when you're talking about Zapier, when you're talking about Asana, Pipedrive, I hear the consulting side. But then when you start talking about how you bring things together, I can hear the coaching side come in from that point. Like what do you actually want with your business? Mm. Like and so I I love how in a way you, your business model mirrors the work that you're doing with these tools. Yeah. It, it actually, hearing you say that, it kind of makes me think about, um, it, in a way, I kind of view myself as like one of my own clients, you know, and, and that's kind of one of the enjoyable things of, of um, the work that I do and, and goes back to the point I made earlier, which is that um, I enjoy working on my business. I enjoy helping other people with this, you know, making other people's businesses more efficient and, and systems work together really well. But I love doing it for myself for the reasons I gave before, which is that I can be more effective and efficient. And why wouldn't I want to do that for my own business? <laughs> right. But also because then I can use myself as a guinea pig and test um, what works. And so it's funny, people sometimes come to me and say, look, I just kind of want to do what you're doing. I just want to use Pipedrive really well and have it work really well with my email system. And can you just kind of talk me through what you're doing and help me to do the same? That's brilliant. Was the coaching part of the model when you started or did you discover that as you were going through the process of working on your business and, and coming across some of these challenges? Well, I actually started with more of a product focus in my business. So back when I was still working full time, mm-hmm. uh, I was working in mortgages actually at the time. I'm from more of a marketing background, but I, I spent about 18 months working in a friend's business in mortgages and okay. we were using the CRM pipe drive. And um, at the time I was developing a, an online course and some digital products around helping people more generally with productivity. And my goal at the time was, look, I just want to work for myself. I just want to get to like a few thousand dollars a month in revenue so I can kind of quit my job and, and start 
going, you know, working full time on this. And so I thought, well, what, what could I, what could I do to reach my revenue target quicker? And I thought, well, you know, you know what I actually did? I actually thought back to an experience I had at one of my, the previous jobs I'd had where, uh, when I was working in marketing at, um, an e-commerce store here in New Zealand, I, um, helped the company set up a tool called Asana, uh, this tool Asana. Mm-hmm. And so in this role, um, one of the things that the CEO of the company said to me at the time was number one, you did a great job helping everyone use Asana. But then he told me something that I didn't know about myself. He said, oh, you've actually got a really good way of explaining things. You explain things really clearly. That was the first time anyone had told me something like that. So anyway, that, that was something that had always stuck in my mind. So then here I was, I was in this job wanting to quit. I wanted to get to enough revenue to, to be able to quit. I was trying to develop the products. And then I thought, okay, well, what's something I could do to get to this revenue um, target quicker? And I thought back to what this my old boss had said to me. And I thought, well, hey, why don't I just start helping people with something like Asana? You know, it's it's in the productivity realm. Mm-hmm. And there must be some people out there who need help. And so I listed myself as an expert on a tool called Clarity. It's this uh, kind of dial an expert service, a bit like Upwork, really, just okay. a, a directory. And I said, look, I'm an Asana expert. And then it didn't take long and people started finding me and saying, oh, yeah, I need some help. Can I call you? And you can help me with some Asana questions. And so that was kind of a nice way to validate my my hypothesis that people wanted help and that people would be willing to pay for support. And it really snowballed from there. So actually, coming back to your question, my business started with more of a product focus, wanting to develop, to develop online courses and training material. And the consulting came in as a, almost a temporary way to earn some, some revenue. But then I realized, actually, this should be the business, like the consulting, helping people with these tools, because it ended up being a lot more lucrative than the online courses and things. I mean, now my business is a, I do the consulting, I have some courses and I, I monetize my, the Asana and Pipedrive expertise in a few different ways, but it actually, the consulting was sort of a, uh, supposed to just be a temporary thing when I got started. Well, that's interesting too, because I can see how that could apply to like creative entrepreneurs as well. Because oftentimes it there is that start with more of a product focus or um, an, a certain type of expertise. Maybe you're a film editor or a podcast editor or a logo designer. Um, but you know, there's so much about the software side of things where you know you can teach people how to do certain things with software. Uh, that that could be a very lucrative part of a business too. Yeah, I think, you know, how I sort of discovered it was, and the, the sort of problem I, I figured I was solving was um, a lot of software products now, you know, these tools like Asana, Pipedrive, um, any of their competitors, you know, Trello, Salesforce, HubSpot, all these software products you generally sign up to. And they these these services, they provide you with a bit of onboarding, but there's not a lot in the way. I mean, if you're a bigger customer, if you're a big enterprise level customer, you'll, you'll often get um, like an account manager and somebody who will onboard you. But the small to medium sized businesses, if you're just a, a small team, you're very much on your own when you get started with tools like this. Yeah, there's, there's a knowledge base and you can go and watch some videos and read some articles and um, you can send an email to this customer support team and talk to them in live chat and get a little bit of help that way. But most people, a lot of people just want to get on a call and work with somebody one-on-one to just get this thing set up and, and get some training. And I didn't realize that really until until I got started and then realized, wow, yeah, this, there's, there's definitely like a, a gap in the market. And, and now 
it's funny because a lot of these software companies have most of them now have like a partner program because they realize themselves we can't help all of our customers mm-hmm. you know we've got tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of customers around the world with this software product that we're selling our customer service team we can't work with everyone one on one so most products now have like a partner network where they say look we've got this this list of approved experts you know here's Paul Miners he's an approved Asana expert go work with him and mm-hmm. it's it's been interesting watching the kind of tech software SaaS industry rely more and more on experts, third party experts to provide that extra level of support that um, a lot of small to medium sized businesses need. Yeah. Oh, that's excellent. I can just see the ramifications uh, across the board to whether beyond just tech and stuff. So very interesting. What advice would you have for creative entrepreneurs who want to free up more of their time so that they can do the work that is most profitable for their business. Yeah. I mean, going back to what I said first, I mean, I think you've to work on the most profitable parts of your business or to make your business more profitable, you you have to start by setting aside some time each week where you're going to say, right, I'm not going to work in my business at the time, this time, whatever, it, whatever in your business means it, maybe it's working with clients, maybe it's um, doing some design work or development work, whatever the doing of your business normally is, mm-hmm. you have to stop that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, and that's a really hard thing to do because that's the thing that's paying the bills. Mm-hmm. And the more you can do your craft or do your business, the more money you'll make. And so it's it's really hard sometimes to justify doing the work so that you can actually work on your business. Um, it almost it's almost like a short term sacrifice where you have to say, look, maybe this week or this month I'm going to sacrifice ten hours or whatever it might be. I'm going to do ten hours less of billable work or or design work, right? And so I'm going to get paid less potentially, mm-hmm. but. Ultimately, that's a sacrifice worth making if it means long-term, more growth, saving time, better and, and more profitability. So I think, number one, it has to start with making a commitment. And you don't have to start with a full, you know, I'm not necessarily saying a full day. Could even just be a couple of hours uh, once every couple of weeks where you take some time out to do some of that big picture um, planning. So that, I think that's the first thing is making that commitment to take some time to actually work on your business. Mm-hmm. And then I would s- start to look at, you know, if you, if you do have some data that you can look at, whether it's um, where are your sales coming from? Or uh, obviously this is different for every business, but wh- where does the revenue come in? What mm-hmm. marketing channels are working well? What are your expenses? Uh, how d- and, and then looking at your process, how do you deliver your service or your product? are there any opportunities to make that efficient? Whatever, whatever it is that you, whatever question you need to ask, I mean, these are things that you need to be asking during that time where you're that, that time that you've set aside. But this is sort of the creative thinking part where you need to look at how are you doing things and challenge yourself, even though things could be working really well right now. I mean, I've always iterated again and again, and I've gotten a little bit better and a little bit better. And sometimes you think, yeah, this is working really well. I'm, I'm pretty happy with this. But even though it's working really well, you should still be willing to challenge yourself and say, well, how could I, that, how could I push this even further? How could I save time or deliver more value or increase my prices? And so I think just going through that big picture sort of planning, challenging yourself, talking to customers as well, you know, that's something I've done a lot over the years, just in the process of number one, getting testimonials, I'm always Mm -hmm. trying to get feedback, but also just to be curious and find out 
what what did you like about working with us? What could we do better? Um, you know, customers will tell you how to be better and how uh, they will tell you how uh, how to charge more as well. Like, here's something you you could have done to offer me more value. And, and that will mean charging more as well. How do you approach talking to a customer from that place of logic and separating your emotions from it? I'm always just really honest. Um, I'm, I'm, I always, I mean, that's like a core belief that I've always tried to uphold is just being really open and honest with customers. Mm-hmm. Even when I start an engagement, I'll be talking to them and, and if I feel like I'm not the right fit for them or what they're asking is not really possible. I think sometimes we feel this pressure to say yes. And like, Oh, I'll, I'll just figure it out later. I, I, I mean, I definitely <laughs> did that in the early days. I was like, Oh, I don't know if I can do this, but then I thought, well, it doesn't matter. I'll just say yes now and I'll figure it out along the way. Um, <laughs> now I've never done that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think, you know, there's a time and a place for that maybe early on now I'm sort of, um, I don't know. I've changed, changed my uh, tune on that a little bit. Um, but, but I've always been really honest with customers. Um, because I think if you're not, you'll get found out eventually. But then I bring that, you know, to these feedback conversations. Um, I don't mind if people have negative feedback for me. That's fine. Like, in fact, I want to know. Um, it might not be easy to hear, but ultimately, if it comes, if it's going to help you to make your business better and your service better for the next person, I think that's a conversation worth having. So one of the things that's really interesting is to wrap my mind around automation. So you've you've talked a little bit about how Zapier connects these different services and systems together. But how else do you think about automation for business? I think automation, you know, before you even automate something, how I like to think about it is looking at any kind of process or any workflow in your business, whether it's mm-hmm. how you deliver a project or your design process or how you ship a product from A to B. I think it's always important to, before you even start to automate, look at how, how could I even just make the process simpler? Forget automation for a sec. How do we just make right. this simpler? And are there any are there any steps in the process we don't need to do? So like simplifying the process first, it come, should come first because it kind of comes back to the effectiveness, efficiency thing. Yes, automating something makes the process more efficient, but let's not automate something that should be simpler to begin with. That's, that's step one is how can I make this process simpler? And then, then you can start looking at automation. Um, I think sometimes as well, people try to even over-automate things <laughs> and, and, and automate things that because when you automate something, you're sacrificing like quality in a way. So I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Sometimes people Please. come to me and they say, you know, they're using Pipedrive for sales and they say, I want to automate my sales process. And I dig into that and I say, well, what do you mean? And they're sort of saying, well, you know, I want emails going out and text messages going out. I just wanted to dump in as many leads into my funnel as I can and have like a machine selling for me. And I'm always a bit nervous hearing that. I mean, I totally get the appeal. And, and there's definitely, I think, a time and a place for automation. But when you automate stuff, you, especially from a, se- a selling perspective, you sacrifice personalization. So I've, I've automated a few steps. So for example, when somebody comes to my website, they book a call with me. Uh, they go through my website, they click on a Calendly link, they book through Calendly. Automatically, that creates a deal in my CRM. In fact, it'll also add them to my ConvertKit account. 
and it will uh, an email will be triggered saying thank you for the booking here's a little bit about me and my background so that's all automated yeah we then usually get on a com- uh, have a conversation we get on a call and I, I i i use that to understand what they need help with and to come up with some kind of offer for them whether it's sign up for one of my programs or i i need to send you a proposal but now i'm in now the in the sales journey that client or lead rather now they're in that decision making process this is kind of the most important part of the sales journey is now they've they've received that offer for me i'm now following up until they make a decision yes or no on whether to work with me now a lot of people want to automate that and have automated follow-ups going out i don't think automate that's the best time for automation i think that's the time when human interaction is going to be better. So I will be picking up the phone, trying to call them. I'll be emailing them, but I'll be emailing them in a more personal way. And I'll be speaking to some of the things that we discussed on our call, some of the challenges that they're having, some of the goals that they have. Mm -hmm. Because by personalizing my follow-up, it's more likely that they will become a client with me. So that's definitely something I do not want to automate. Now, uh, sometimes people... um, you know, they, they don't respond or they make the decision, actually, now is not the right time. So then automation takes over again. Mm. So I can, I can say, that's fine, all good, and I'll, I'll lose the deal in my CRM. And I'll say, look, I'll, I'll put you on my newsletter list. And so now they'll start getting a drip sequence of um, some content related to Asana or Pipedrive, whatever they're interested in. And that's going to nurture them, and they're just automated emails that go out. And that's going to nurture them um, and, and, and provide some value. And it's amazing. A lot of people come back six months later and say, Paul, I've been loving your emails. Um, I'm ready to start that project that we talked about. So <laughs> talking awesome. through that journey, there's this automation comes in at the beginning personalization then takes over in the middle there's no automation while i'm following up because that's kind of that crucial decision making phase mm-hmm. and then i start automating again at the end um so all of this to say yes automation is great but th- think about when is it when do you not want to automate or, or when might automation not be appropriate just because you can automate something doesn't mean you always should is understanding when you should automate and when you should personalize. Is this where you really start saving people money? Uh, yes. I mean, um, it's that, that's not as much of the work that we do. I would say that most <laughs> of the work that we do is the automation. It's things like uh, uh, connecting someone's website to their CRM or doing some of the other things I talked about. So yeah, like adding people to a newsletter list or um, making other updates and things happen. Um, but, but you know, when people do bring this up and say, I want to automate everything, <laughs> I, 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 I will push back and I'll say, mm, are you sure? Like, here's why I actually don't think we should. Sometimes people, and that, that comes back to the honesty thing I talked about. If somebody asks for something and I don't think the thing that they're asking for is the right solution, I'll say, and I'll say, look, yeah, we, we could do that, but here's how I would do it. Uh, and here's why. And this, this is my recommendation. And it's up to them to decide if they want to take that or not. So to the people that are listening right now, and they're hearing everything that you shared about, you know, productivity, efficiency versus effectiveness. Is there a tool that they should consider implementing in order to increase the things that they care about? Yeah, one. I mean, obviously, it's the tool that you I could recommend would is is often so specific to the person and the company. But I think one fantastic productivity tool that I love recommending, and and almost everyone could use it. I think is a text expander. Text Expander is this um, text expansion tool. So you, what it is, is you can use it to store things like 
email templates mm-hmm. or links that you often share, even cor- like spelling corrections. I don't know about you, but when I'm when I'm <laughs> typing on my keyboard, sometimes a word doesn't come out right. My fingers move faster than my brain. Uh, one of the words I can never type is the word doesn't. Um, <laughs> I know how to spell the word doesn't, <laughs> but the apostrophe <laughs> always ends up in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I can have um, text expander set up with some of these auto corrections. In fact, you can even download text expander lets you download uh, groups of pre-built uh, expansion snippets, like common cool. words people misspell. So you don't even have to set these up. But I know that doesn't is a word that I always have trouble with. So I've put that in. And whenever I mistype it, um, text expander fixes fixes it for me. So that's really cool. But uh, no, my main usage of it is things like email templates, you know, for sales uh, emails that I'm sending, which again, I'll personalize, but I've got the template kind of there. Um, Follow-up emails, emails to clients, a lot of links. I often share a lot of affiliate links or Calendly links. Mm -hmm. So rather than having to store this, this text in a note or a Word doc somewhere, I've got it all in Text Expander. And so if I'm typing an email, all I need to type is a little snippet. So it's usually... The, the, the prefix is usually a semicolon. Mm-hmm. So if I type semicolon intro, that will spit out my introductory email template. And so if you start putting some of the email templates, links, any of the, the common phrases, text that you have to type on a regular basis into Text Expander, and you start using these snippets to retrieve the text, it really does save you a lot of time, number one, on not having to copy and paste it all the time, but also mm-hmm. just not having to type it manually. And yes. so recently, at the beginning of the year, I got my annual report from Text Expander. And last year, based on my typing speed, I saved six days wow. worth of time just on typing. Wow. Um, in fact, since I started using Text Expander in 2015, I've saved 24 days on <laughs> typing. <laughs> so I love, I love it because it actually has a new, uh, we talked before, you know, I love tracking things. So when they email me and say, this is how much time you saved, you can, you bet you're, you bet it's going to resonate with me and I'm going to love it. <laughs> but, um, but no, I think text expander is a great tool that everyone could find a use for really affordable, great for teams as well. If you are, um, a customer service or sales team and you want your team using the same scripts, absolutely, um, would recommend it. Yeah, I'll second that because it's a tool that I use, especially on email outreach and and things related to this podcast where, you know, if I need the Calendly link for scheduling a show or, you know, the follow-up email when when I'm yeah. sending questions, all of that stuff, it's, it's so easy to set up and use. It feels like cheating sometimes. I'll be like clearing, <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be clearing my inbox mm-hmm. and I'll be like, email shouldn't be this easy. I'm getting through my inbox way too fast. Like (laughs) it feels like cheating. (laughs) That's when you know something is good when it feels like cheating. Yeah. So one of the interesting things that, that I'm curious when it comes to other people is how do you manage your focus and attention when it comes to uh, getting your work done and, and doing the things that you need to do each day? Yeah, I mean, there's lots of things. Firstly, I think you have to start off with good fundamentals, like focus and attention comes from um, maintaining your energy really well. So like, you've got to be sleeping well. Sleep for me is, has always been a priority. Um, so getting getting a good sort of like, I probably get about seven and a half hours sleep per night. Nice. Regular exercise, again, I mean, that's part of just being, uh, being healthy. But um, I think that exercise and getting oxygen to the brain. I, I for example, 
basically have to go for a walk every every day during uh, the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll I'll start my day pretty early. I'll work in the morning, and then you know about midday I'll I'll have lunch, and then I have to go for like a good thirty minute walk. Nice. Um, that for me, that I mean, you're getting some exercise, but also the oxygen to your brain as well. Just getting the blood flowing for me really helps me reset for the afternoon. So that that's number one. I think just starting with good fundamentals. Make sure you're looking after yourself, sleeping, getting exercise. Um, and then, you know, I can, I can repeat all the things that people have probably heard already, like staying <laughs> hydrated, um, eating well, obviously all of that's important. And then for me, something that really helps me to focus, I, I talk about this a lot on my podcast and I've brought it up in interviews as well is, is, um, time blocking. Mm. So on my calendar, uh, basically that's how I, how I plan my time. So I've got Asana, which is my task list and my project management system, mm-hmm. but then how I decide when, how am I, when am I going to work on these things? That, that really happens in the calendar. So my calendar has got obviously my appointments, you know, time sensitive appointments. This is how most people use their calendar. They put their meetings and their time sensitive things go on the calendar. So that's all there. But then on, on top of that, I'll have the tasks that I need to do. So I'll actually block out time for whether it's a bit of client work, like maybe it's design work somebody needs to do, or if you're doing some development work, you know, you need two hours to work on some code or whatever, mm-hmm. actually making time for different jobs on your calendar for me helps me to focus. And it, and it, and it means that I'm not, um, I don't procrastinate really because I've, <laughs> I've got this thing on my calendar. It's like, okay, I've said that from 10 till 11, I'm working on this task. And if I don't, if I go on Twitter and I, I get distracted, Everything else in my calendar is going to have to shift and I'm going to have to kind of replan everything. So that, that putting my work and planning my time on my calendar really helps me to, um, yeah, maintain that focus and stay very intentional throughout the day. I know what I'm working on. And then when I finish something, I can move straight on to the next thing without that kind of in-between switching time being too long. I've, I've already planned what, what's happening next. Are you wrapping your mind around how to automate that? <laughs> Um, well, no, because this is one of the things that I don't want to automate. Um, I like, I I don't even think maybe you could, and I've, I've seen some tools out there that say they can look at your tasks and calendar and it uses AI to plan your time. I'm not sold really on any (laughs) of these things. Um, I don't want AI planning my time to be honest. Um, so I, I like doing it myself. Um, I usually on a Friday afternoon as part of closing out for the week, I, I look at what I have coming up the next week and I, I look at my tasks and I'll start putting in some of the big blocks of things that I know I need to do and, and make some time. But then it's, it's an ongoing thing. Like I'm, I'm actually always planning. My calendar is always open on my computer. So after this interview, I'm going to be looking at my calendar and going, right, what's next? And I might be moving blocks around. So there's no one time where all the planning happens. It's sort of... Mm-hmm. As I'm working throughout the day, I'll be shifting blocks. Even if, if I finish a piece of work early, I'll actually change the size of the block on my calendar to show how long it actually took. And mm-hmm. then in a way, that's a way of time tracking and, and tracking yeah. and showing what I did. But then if, if I finish early, so I'll shrink that block and then I'll move the next one up. Or if something urgent comes in, so this is one of the things people say is, um, oh, this, you, I could never do time blocking because I, I need to be really reactive. Well, mm-hmm. even if something urgent comes in, I can, I can make time for that and I can shuffle things around and I can play a bit of Tetris on my calendar and, and move some of the stuff from today to tomorrow and this week, uh, sorry, later this week if, if I need to. Um, so I like doing it manually because I'm, I, it, 
I can, I'm always trying to make decisions around what do I need to do next? What am I going to fit in here? If I have these two things I want to do today, which one am I going to prioritize first? And uh, so, no, I'm not, I, I'm not interested in automating it. I appreciate the way you've described time blocking because it's accessible. It's, it's reliant upon the tool and controlling the tool as opposed to it's, it's just, it's not hard. It, it makes sense to me. So thank you for that. Yeah. Takes a little bit of discipline. You got to, you know, it's, and, and, and sometimes what I say to people getting started is like, you don't have to time block every task. You can even just time block um, the theme or the type of work that you want to do. So you might even just say like this, this block here is for admin and admin could be any number of things. And then this block here is for design or development. And you're going to work on a few different clients. So you can start more broad if that's easier for you. Um, uh, but yeah, it takes a little bit of getting used to a little bit of, um, you know, you've got to form this sort of new habit of checking your calendar and working from your calendar, but very quickly it, it gets very sort of natural. Well, Paul, as we wrap up our time together, what's one thing you really want listeners to take away from our conversation? Oh, good question. I think I'd go back to the start and um, I I would just reiterate the importance of carving out some time to work on your business. Um, It's one of the frustrating things uh, I I have to deal with in in selling to clients because sometimes people come to me and even though they've approached me and said, Paul, I'd love to use this tool better. You know, we want to use Asana better. Can you teach us? And then, you know, I'm, I'm following up and then they, they come back and they say, oh yeah, look, we're really interested. Just now's not the right time. We're really busy. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of this crushing thing. Cause it's like, look, if I help you with Asana, it'll make you less busy. That's the goal anyway. <laughs> and it's just, you've got to take some time. I know you're busy. I know you've got other things you could be doing that probably are going to be better for you at generating revenue and, and doing, doing your business, doing your craft. But if you can just take a little bit of time to start working on your business. Mm-hmm. People always do that eventually. And then they go, man, I wish I did this sooner. It's always the way they just go. I wish, I wish I'd done this six months ago <laughs> and I would have saved myself so much pain and, and stress. So that would be it is I think the big takeaway is if you're not already just it could even start with just an hour a week, but take some time to start working on your business. Excellent. Well, final question for you. What book, podcast, or resource is currently blowing your mind right now? Um, I will choose a podcast. I'm I'm really enjoying um so a, a sort of side passion, not really project, but topic I'm really interested in is uh, is Bitcoin. Okay. And uh I just find the whole what's happening with Bitcoin really interesting. And I think it's uh, it's gonna have a really profound impact on the world. I think it's gonna be as as big for the world as the internet was. Um, so it's just a topic I'm really interested in. And a podcast I really enjoy is What Bitcoin Did hmm. by Peter McCormack. Really great podcast. If you've never, if you're sort of looking at Bitcoin, like, oh, what is this thing? How does it work? Do I need to get into it? He's got, if you go to his website, he's got a really good beginner series that introduces you to Bitcoin in a really friendly way. He has fantastic interviews with the best people in the Bitcoin space. And um, he, I think he, he has some really good balanced discussions as well about some of the negatives and, and, and things to be just mindful of, I suppose. And so that's, that's a podcast that I, that I really enjoy at the moment. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Paul as much as I did. I have definitely read and heard a lot about many of these themes around productivity, but I really loved how Paul simplified them and made them all extremely accessible. 
If you want to learn more about how you can be more effective and efficient in your business, be sure to schedule a call with Paul. You can find the link to his website at the show notes page at gwtw.co slash 597. You'll also find links to all of the tools that he mentioned throughout this interview. Until next time, may creativity and curiosity fuel your life.